The following podcast contains explicit language. I'll never forget talking to Evan Mathis when he had just won the Super Bowl, holding the Lombardi Trophy as a member of the Denver Broncos after he had left the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Denver Broncos have taken Super Bowl 50. I'd asked Evan if he had any message for Chip Kelly or the Philadelphia Eagles since they had cut him two years prior, and he smiled and said, no, I'm just happy I finally won this thing. Evan Mathis, the left guard for the Broncos, is out there recording the moment. While Evan has enjoyed the thrill of winning something as big as the Super Bowl, he's also had to endure some significant losses off the field. So I did not start playing high-stakes poker, super high-stakes poker, in these big private cash games with famous people, rich people. You're playing for just wild amounts of money. Evan Mathis is a risk-taker. Your day could end up up a million, down a million or more. Your day, you know, your one day. He's always had an addictive personality, and to feed that beast, a lot of times he has to gamble. I think I lost like 60% of my net worth doing that. This is Uncovering the Birds, sponsored by Wawa, a production of the Philadelphia Inquirer and KWW News Radio original podcast. I'm Jeff McLean, episode one The Gambler. Evan Mathis was one of the smarter eagles in the locker room, and we discussed everything that ran the gamut from football to plenty of topics off the field. In fact, we even developed a relationship in terms of playing words with friends with each other. And even after he was in the NFL, we continued to kind of keep in touch with each other through text, mostly text, but occasionally in other ways. How's the, uh, how's the family? How's the business? All is well. Staying busy with the business, trying to get that site launched in the next two to three months. Oh, yeah. I, uh, Kelsey told me a little bit about it. When I caught up with yeah, Evan uh, a few months ago on Zoom, it was the first time I'd seen him in a while, and he certainly doesn't look like the Evan from the NFL. He's lost a bunch of weight. He still looked very fit, thinner, but fit. Completion and grade. He was in his home office in Nashville, surrounded by all his paperwork and his memorabilia, and he had a long beard, and his hair was pulled back, and he was excited to talk to me about his latest venture. Do you think you're actually going to make money on it? I I will be a multi-billionaire. You can mark my word. (laughs) What he's trying to do is corner the secondary market for selling sports cards. I spent all my money developing this app. It cost me almost $175,000 a month to do this. I'm I'm bootstrapping the whole thing because I want to own it all. Wow. Wow. Or have control. I don't want VC to come in and take, you know, take charge of it too quickly. Yeah. Wow. Well, you're a risk taker, that's for certain. You know that. I knew Evan was a risk taker. What I didn't realize was that was what he wanted to talk about for the next two hours. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind I'll be a multi-billionaire. <laughs> Evan played for the Eagles from 2011 to 2014. He was uniquely athletic more than most offensive linemen. In fact, he wasn't even really built like an offensive lineman. He looked like he was built like a wrestler, and he did some wrestling growing up. And it was Howard Mudd, the Eagles offensive line coach, who was able to tap into that athleticism and make him one of the best guards in the NFL. Eagles guard Evan Mathis may look pretty, but he also knows how to get ugly in the trenches. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know if he was working on his grip constantly, but you can just, when he grabs you, there's no getting out of it, man. And he's great at hand position. My initial plan was to talk to him about religion in the NFL. Evan and I had many conversations about 
how being an atheist or an agnostic person kind of ran in contrast to most of the guys that you met in the locker room. I was like, I was almost, I was anti all of it for a while. But in fact, Evan has actually changed and gone to the opposite end of the spectrum. I thought that you, I thought you describing yourself as an atheist or an agnostic with the Eagles. Didn't you describe yourself as like Yeah, a, that, I mean, I was, I was anti, I was anti-religion. And you've now evolved on that. We have massively evolved. Oh, so you're, so you're in the complete other end of the spectrum. No, not just in like a Christian way, but like, you know, I've been studying yeah. all the religions and seeing the, the truth and everything, seeing the, the connection and everything. And it's like almost like a hidden playbook to unlocking the keys to the universe. Evan kept going further down this wormhole. Basically, we're in an escape room that we built for ourselves right now, where we're acting like we are mortal beings. And we don't get out by dying and go anywhere. We get out by balancing the energies of our seven, the, the seven chakras in your body. Mm -hmm. uh, they connect to your seven, your seven glands. Like What made Evan Maths decide to take a 180 degree turn on religion? And like so many things in his life, there was a tie-in to risk-taking, to taking a gamble. I started blasting all my money into poker, and then I lost so much money that I couldn't blast money into poker. And then that's when I kind of went within and had my, I guess you would call it a spiritual awakening. I think I have complete understanding, not complete understanding, much greater understanding of what all of this is than I did when I was playing football. Mm -hmm. God is real. We are God. All is God. God is good. Therefore, all is good. I don't think I even understood half of what he had to say, but he came off like he was some deep theological scholar on the subject. We are just doing this to pass the time because we are eternal beings that must exist. Evan Mathis didn't always gamble millions of dollars away. I think it started by me being very, very timid, very not confident. Things tend to change a lot around the time of puberty, as they did for Evan. Probably when I started producing testosterone. Uh, like, I guess in high school, my drive came there. It, even academically and, and athletically, I had like, a relentless drive. One place the drive had come from was football. The game had been in his family a long time, and he felt it was in his blood. I was nothing but a product of my environment. Born in Birmingham, Alabama. My mom's brother was in the NFL for 10 years. He played, he was an all-pro to Alabama. I think he retired in like 86 or 87, and I was born in 81. So I kind of a young kid, but getting exposed to that and like the amount of pride that that brought to the family and that kind of success. And then I'm in Alabama. Football is everything down there. It was just like chasing that kind of success is all I ever, it was the only thing I knew. Like it was really the only thing I knew. As for his parents, they were just trying to get by. We were lower middle class. Our net worth was nothing. It wasn't negative, but it was literally probably nothing. So my dad was a, a broadcast engineer for the local NBC affiliate in Birmingham. And my mom was like a restaurant manager. They just grinded. I, I saw them work their ass off, really almost just do it to break even. I mean, we're barely climbing. They moved us to a, a better school system when I was like 10. But I just saw them grinding, man. And they just worked their ass off. I'm like, this is not the life. This is not what I want to do. Anything that I had, I was grateful for because, you know, it was hard to get it. And so I, you know, I learned an appreciation for that and for hard work through them. And then it was just like, then that's then it's just like, what can I do to 
live a better life. Not a better life, but an easier one, I guess. Evan saw football as his ticket, and like his uncle, ended up going to Alabama. He was eventually drafted by the Carolina Panthers in 2005. It was around that time that the risk-taking part of Evan's personality started to seep out. I'm trying to think of the risk-taking part of it because like, I didn't even touch drugs or alcohol until I got to college. It was probably in college, probably early college when I first got exposure to that kind of stuff and and gambling and things like that. And then just kind of, you know, got the idea that I could you know, take control of my own reality. And also the worst that could happen in my perception would maybe be different than somebody else's. But was Evan really taking control of his own reality or was he starting to go down a slippery slope that he wouldn't come back from? We've got to take a break, but we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Wawa. Wawa's paninis are getting even bolder, like spicy buffalo chicken paired with creamy mac and cheese, all in a handheld toasty panini. With a savory garlic pepperoni panini with provolone, pepperoni, and drizzled with a garlic aioli. Or mix it up with tuna salad and your favorite toppings. Fill up on these bold flavors that are sure to be the envy of every lunch. Try new Wawa panini for lunch today. Gotta have a Wawa. This is Uncovering the Birds, sponsored by Wawa. I'm Jeff McLean, and this is Evan Mathis. My gambling history is a huge part of my story. That story began in college at Alabama and continued when he got to the Carolina Panthers. In college, I'd be, you know, we'd be playing poker and going to the casino and playing blackjack. His gambling only got more intense. In Carolina, there were times when I went to practice the next day not having slept because I was playing online poker all night. Let's jump ahead to 2008 when Evan was with the Dolphins and he met Joey Porter, the former Steeler, who introduced him to a card game called Dream. There was one trip where I was down. I think I was down like almost $200,000 playing this game. And when we landed, like it was a Denver trip, two-day trip. And when we landed back in Miami, I was up 58 grand. <laughs> like it was enough. But it was it was wild roller coaster. The next year, Evan was with the Bengals and made about $600,000 in salary. On top of that, he said he won about $420,000 on blackjack. But he still wanted more. I went to Foxwoods in Connecticut, and I said, I'm going to win $300,000 to buy a condo. And so I lost $100,000. I asked for uh, an extension. They'll give you a 10% extension. That's $10,000. I lost that. So I drove over like 15 minutes to the Mohegan Sun. These two are the two massive casinos in Connecticut. And I did the same exact thing. So I came home down 220. And so the next weekend, I was like, okay, I got to go grind, got to get it back. I went somewhere else and lost another 100. Did the next weekend, I went somewhere and lost and won 150. I'd always known that Evan was a big time gambler. I just didn't realize how deep it had gone. But you would always see Evan and other players like LaShawn McCoy go into the game room with hands full of cash knowing that they're going to play some sort of dice game and that a lot of money could be lost. Fast forward the whole thing. When it was all said and done, I owed all these different casinos $500,000 total, and I had no liquid money. There was actually absolutely no way I could pay these at that point in time. Evan was due to make over a million dollars in 2010, which was going to be the most he had ever made. But then after taxes, the money went fast. I spent that whole year paying off casino markers. 2010 was supposed to be a big year, but more or less, it was a bust. Evan was paying off his debts, and he couldn't get on the field. 
On top of that, the NFL told him he couldn't use the supplement for testosterone that he'd been using in previous seasons. I was feeling like absolute dog shit. So every now and then I would take it. And one time I took it and then I had a 47 hours later, I had a drug test and I was in the sauna. I was trying to sweat everything out. I was trying to get clean from it, but it came up positive. And I got the FedEx it was like, you've been tested positive for a banned substance. HCG showed up in your lab report. I hit up the doctor. I was like, look, man, I need this and I'm going to fight you on it. I need this. By that point, Evan had enough with the Bengals and with the 2011 lockout, keeping players away from teams, Evan used it as an opportunity to work on his body and get himself in the best shape of his career. He worked out so hard during that offseason. And as soon as the lockout ended, about four days into it, he found a home with the Eagles on a dream team. After the lockout ended, the Eagles signed all kinds of big names, Namdi Asama, Vince Young, all these guys that had a lot of cachet. And here's Evan. He shows up at training camp, and they didn't even put him on the podium. He just did an interview with reporters off to the side, and here he ends up being probably the best guy that they signed that offseason. Dude, I was broke. I got to go pregnant after dating her for two months. So I had to do what I had to do. I, I had to resurrect myself in Philly. In other words, Evan had to make money. The deal Evan signed with the Eagles in 2011 was for just one year, less than $700,000, about half of what he made in Cincinnati. They felt that he would be a good fit for the way Howard Mudd, then the Eagles offensive line coach, teaches his offensive linemen to block, and they signed him because of that. I don't think anybody really knew what to make of Evan Mathis, especially people who don't really cover or know much about the NFL. In fact, I don't think a lot of the reporters knew how good Evan Mathis could be. I think Evan was brought in to just compete for a job. I don't think they thought he was going to be an eventual starter. They had a lot of injuries that offseason. They just drafted Danny Watkins in the first round to be a starting guard. Here's Mathis coming in on a veteran minimum deal, and he would eventually supplant him. Evan had remade his body in the offseason. He had found a new team. He would have an opportunity to eventually start for that team. And despite all those changes, Evan, deep down, was still the same guy who loved to take risks and gamble with himself and his future. You were still gambling a lot in Philly. I mean, I I, I remember remember you and Shady in the... (laughs) Oh, you don't even know like the magnitude of that, what we were doing there. Evan's gamble in himself in terms of what he could do on the football field paid off. He eventually won that left guard job. He had a great season. And that next offseason, he signed the biggest contract of his career, five years, $25.5 million. The first thing I did when I got my big money in Philly in 2012, first thing I started doing was buying high-end baseball cards as investments. He's like, you kidding me? And that's an industry that I know super well and can make tons of money playing in. Then in the locker room, we were we were playing shooting dice. So you're playing, you know, the street version of craps. Everyone's just passing the dice and and rolling. And one year it just kept getting bigger and bigger. And I think I might have been the one pushing it, pushing some of the guys that had money. I just kept pushing it. We had a lot of fun with some massive amounts of money. We'd play it in the locker room. We'd play it on the plane. I mean, I remember one time playing on the plane. And Andy Reid walks by, you know, everyone was like, oh, Big Red's coming. Stop, stop, stop. He walks by and I'm like, hey, and I show him my dice. He's like, you won't have a pot to piss in <laughs> when you're done. 
How hot? What's the highest pot? The highest pot? I mean, we got to. I think when it was getting big, it, it started getting to like ten thousand a roll. And then there were times where I think it, it, we got to fifty a roll. I don't think we ever got to six figures. How many guys but, could be doing that at one time? Like the most, you know, a ton. There's, there's, there's it's endless. However many guys can fit around a pool table. We had fun doing that. It was that, yeah. that's, that's that's some real like I got to know those guys like like that's some team bonding stuff right there. Like we had some some times we just like the only reason I went I went over to their house. The only reason I was there to, to shoot dice. In terms of Evan's home life, things were very much different. He had to clean up those parts, and he was self-medicating for a while. I think I was an absolute train wreck emotionally. But I kind of like I always sought physical improvement. I also sought mental improvement. You know, it was trying to mask things with pills early on, you know, antidepressants or hell, even Adderall or something like that. But I think I really started making progress in I think it was 2012 or so when I started seeing a therapist. Now, was that through the team or is that? Uh, in- no, my um, what happened was like my ex-wife and I were not getting along at all. And she went to this, this place is called the Bridge to Recovery. You go there for two weeks and you dive into your family of origin and you talk it out and you learn that the patterns of your childhood, how they manifest, you know, certain toxic patterns in your adult life. It's you know basically your wounded inner child coming out. Right, right. So she went to this thing and she came back and... I would kind of like her behavior was very, very calm, collective, loving and stoic. So if I was doing something that was toxic, I became quickly aware how it was all me. So then I went to something similar in Arizona. And then I saw I, it really, really was eye opening to see how even the, the the things that are like really subtle, covert traumas that you think are just you know normal in life, that they create these patterns. And you just act them out. You know, your six-year-old comes out a lot until you, you know, figure out how to rein that in. Evan felt despite all that football gave him, it was not helping him in terms of his gambling addiction. When you think about it, playing football in the NFL is probably the biggest gamble someone like Evan Mathis can take. Evan told me he took a lot of hits to the head, a lot that were not reported to the team. Post football, that's something that I, I saw it coming up. Like, I was kind of scared that it was coming up where I would find myself just being like sensitive to the environment at times and super reactive and and just like, whoa, this is like so like reactive to the point where it's like you can react and you you feel like an absolute idiot for reacting and then like but like one second later you just like you're sitting there analyzing it like what the fuck did I just do? Evan and his first wife eventually split up. On the field, everything was going fine. In 2013 and 14, he went to two Pro Bowls. Unfortunately, he got into a contract dispute with Chip Kelly, and in 2015 was released. Pro Bowl guard Evan Mathis is looking for a new team. The Eagles cut him Thursday. What do you make of this move? Listen, Evan Mathis was doing a great job for him. Obviously, he went to two Pro Bowls, but he was a guy asking for a new contract, deciding not to go to OTAs, not to be involved in the offseason. And if there's anything we've learned about Chip Kelly, he wants Chip Kelly-type guys around. It wasn't necessarily. He went to the Broncos, won a Super Bowl there, eventually went to the Cardinals and retired in 2016. What happened to your 25 million? So a few years ago, I had a net worth of about 10 million. So I did not start playing high stakes poker, super high stakes poker, in these big private cash games with famous people, rich people, and one good poker player. Who are some of the famous names? 
I'm not, I can't do that. I can't, can't do okay. that. I can't do that. So like, it's like the Molly's game kind of types of game. Oh yeah. Like, it was more fun than Molly's game. It was more, more exciting and more entertaining and wild. And I will be back in that when I, when I, when I can afford it, when I'm a billionaire, I'll, they will, I'll be able to afford it. When I'm a billionaire. You haven't stopped gambling. Oh, I mean, I have because I don't have any money to gamble with other than building my company. When I can afford it, I will gamble again. Not where I'm willing to risk it all for fun. The amazing thing about Evan is that he's so clear-eyed about himself. Even when asked about being an addict, he admits that he is that or describes himself that way. He has a very interesting brain and he can compartmentalize various aspects of his life and how he approaches things, he's able to kind of turn it off and on when he needs to. Kind of like he's doing now with his new venture. He's not gambling, but there is certainly a risk involved in this new business venture that he has. It's a company that he's created called Cardseer. For almost three years now, we've been developing it and it's going to be a super, super advanced technological marketplace where to simplify it, Let's just start with buy a card. If you want to buy a card, where are you going to do it? You can go to eBay and they're only one site. There's, you know, there's over 40 more that you can go buy and sell on. So Cardseer, what we are doing is we are taking all of those listings from everywhere, whether it be by scraping it, by API access agreements that we have with the companies, but we're bringing all those listings into one place. It's almost like a advanced version of like Expedia or something like that for flights. Right, just trying, right. trying to bring it all into one place. So if you give people a reason to go no other place to start their trading card buying, then you have, you, you start to control the traffic for what's like a 20 to $30 billion industry. And if you do the math on what that means in terms of gross revenue and net revenue, it's absolutely massive. My goal is to be a multi-billionaire here soon and doing it with a really fun project. How much of your uh, net worth did you invest in it? I think I'm over 3.5 into it right now. Usually people raise funds and try to get VCs in. I don't want VC to take control of anything yet. I want to be able to get my vision the way that I envisioned it to market, get to revenue, and just blast this rocket ship off. We can own like the secondary market for for trading cards. The Evan Mathis I knew as a player has in many ways changed post-football, but he's essentially still the same guy, even though his beliefs have changed and his career has changed. Underneath it all, he's still a gambler. The risk-taking thing is I've always just been relentlessly aggressive. With this car seer company that he's trying to create, there is obviously a lot of risk involved in it. Now, more than ever, I'm good at overcoming these mental things. And it's the whole idea that where you put your attention is where you put your energy. You know, you can choose suffering or you can not. You don't have to suffer. Evan has lived this life for many, many years, and he seems to be at peace. In fact, he says he's at peace, but we'll find out ultimately whether he's won that game. Think about any problem that you have. If you sit there and think about it as a problem and you keep giving it energy to problem and you feel pain, after the initial event, after the initial pain, anything else beyond that is it's sinful to give that much energy into the pain and struggle of it because you could be at that point in time, giving that same energy into the solution or into finding peace or into going within or into something that you're grateful for. If I had nothing financially, I'm beyond blessed for what I have in my life and what I've experienced and what I still will do in my life. 
it's been in the darkness that I always started to shine the most. Just before the episode came out, I texted Evan. It took a few days for him to get back to me, but he, in fact, was in literal darkness on a retreat for 14 days. He told me that he was excited about Cards here and that there will be a soft launch in April. If you want to find out more about Cards here, check out the show notes. This is Uncovering the Birds, sponsored by Wawa, a production of the Philadelphia Inquirer and KYW News Radio original podcast. We got a new episode coming out on March 31st. It's about an Eagles All Pro whose feelings about football have changed the longer he's played. When I'm done playing, I was like, I want to kill this, the, my identity, like with sports. The job's never finished. I don't look forward to any games. How about like being like recognized though as the best? It doesn't change. It doesn't change the feelings that I feel. Uncovering the Birds is produced by KWW News Radio's Brian Seltzer. Tom Rickard is KWW News Radio's Director of Podcasting. The executive producer from the Philadelphia Inquirer is Renee Eiffel. We use sound for this episode from CBS Sports and ESPN. Thanks so much for checking out our first episode. Please spread the word about the podcast to any Eagles fans that want to hear stories about their favorite team or anyone who just wants to hear good stories. You could also leave us a review or a rating. You can listen to episodes of Uncovering the Birds free on the Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcasts, or go to inquire.com slash podcasts. I'm Jeff McLean. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore McLean, or just search my name on any social media platform or read my stories at inquire.com. We'll talk to you next week.